Hello there, this is Benny. And this is Kyle. And you're listening to The Doctor's Watcher. The highly complicated experimental podcast about every episode of a Doctor Who. Oh, that, that, that fills me with hope for some interesting <laughs> sci-fi gadgets for this episode. Uh-huh. Yeah, when I wrote that intro, I didn't know that it was going to take us three tries to start recording this episode correctly. <laughs> it's a bit of an experimental podcast. <laughs> Well, your uh, your audio is coming through okay now, so I I hope fingers crossed that this one, third time's a charm. Uh huh. So, Kyle, how's it going? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. I Sweet. have I've spent most of my free time recently deep in the kingdom of Hyrule. Excellent. As I you know search for the tears of the kingdom. Oh, so so for this Zelda game, you actually find out why it's called that? Because I'll be honest, I finished Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, and I never found out what the Breath of the Wild was. <laughs> yeah, it only it actually only occurred to me like in the moment as I said that, but there are in fact like items that you search for that are that are called Dragon Steers, basically, and uh-huh. yeah, when you find them, it's like. In Breath of the Wild, how you'd like unlock memories and stuff. It's kind of uh-huh. the Tears of the Kingdoms version of that. Very cool. Well, I've uh, been meaning to, of course, check it out and get it for myself. Um, the reason I've been hesitating is because I did buy the DLC for Breath of the Wild and I wanted to finish that before I picked up Tears of the Kingdom, but the DLC for Breath of the Wild is really, really difficult, and <laughs> I may just skip it and move on to Tears of the Kingdom. Um, I've got a week off coming up in June, so uh, that might be... I, I Well, we'll see. We'll, we'll see if I'll be able to uh, either resist picking it up, or if that'll be the perfect, perfect opportunity to pick it up, uh-huh. or what. Yeah, if you do, then I I would not be surprised to find that you spend your entire week off on it. Neither would I. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, cool. So I hope that uh, in addition to playing Legend of Zelda, you've also been watching Doctor Who. Indeed, I have. In fact, I watched the fifth episode of the serial The Daleks Master Plan, which is the 14th Mm. episode of this season. Excellent. And how, which, which episode is it overall? How many episodes have we done? Um, oh, never mind. I thought you had it ready. <laughs> uh, our listeners can look it up. <laughs> listeners, you have Google. Yeah. All right. Uh, tweet it at us. Uh, or not, you know, whatever. Cool. Uh, did you have anything else you want to talk about in the intro? Or should we get to Doctor Who? Uh, I think let's get down to it. Nice. Plot. All right, season three, episode fourteen, counterplot. Kyle, would you tell us how'd you watch it? So I actually have good news on this one. This it episode exists. exists. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Seems like a low bar for other TV shows, but this is Doctor Who. So, uh-huh. 
And yeah, for basically all of the non-missing parts of partially missing serials, the official way to watch it is on a BBC DVD release called Lost in Time, which is like a three-disc box set of basically everything that exists from partially missing serials, as far as I understand. Yeah, I, I've heard of that. Um, I, I mean, I must have come across it when looking at the Doctor Who wiki or something like that. And it's just so fascinating to me that they created a DVD of that. So you're just looking at these bits of serials. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, it's it, it really is like some sort of cold cut type of um, collection there. I was trying so hard not to say combo for cold cut combo. <laughs> um but, and yeah, as uh, far as I understand, it's like sometimes on this DVD you'll have a full episode. Sometimes you'll have like a handful of like three second clips or whatever. Yeah, and it's so interesting to me that like the BBC decided to make that into a product and sell it. Like mm-hmm. on the one hand, it's sort of this interesting uh, way to preserve what we do have um, and make it available to fans. On the other hand, it's like it feels kind of capitalist in a way. Like <laughs> we just have pieces, but we're selling you the pieces. Yeah. The reason this episode in particular exists, though, is pretty interesting, I thought. Oh, I love these. Yeah. These stories. Um, to just quote, like, directly from the TARDIS Data Core website, it was recovered in 1983 from the basement of a Mormon church in South London, among other BBC film cans. There have been numerous theories, but to this day, no one knows exactly how or why the episode came to be there. (laughs) (laughs) O-M-G. Well, uh, should we add some of our own theories to that mix? (laughs) Well, I don't know if how many of our listeners know this, but... I was actually born in 1983, and I was born in a family belonging to the Mormon Church. I was not born in South London, so I don't know if we can (laughs) fully make the connection there, but... Have you been to South London? uh, I've been to London. I don't know if I've specifically been to South London, but yeah, I will say sure. (laughs) There you go, listeners. (laughs) Oh, the pieces are all coming together. (laughs) Cool. Well, I love these stories. Um, I love that this one's a mystery. And it seems... Because you you said that these were specifically the BBC tape cans, right? Like, it wasn't Mm -hmm. a copy. It wasn't a recording. It was the original, like, BBC branded uh, tape that... Right. must have sent to either a a studio or maybe the original one from the actual BBC. You know, now now we're coming up with the (laughs) ears. And Uh, like, it wasn't just this episode. It was like other, other BBC stuff too, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, thank you. You know, unknown 1983 Mormons. I guess, no, they found it in 1983, so... Thank you, unknown Mormons, from whenever year, whatever year you uh, stashed these. <laughs> uh huh. Um, For whatever reason. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe it's one of those like apocalypse things, like how Mormons oh, um, keep the canned food and stuff in right. their houses. 
maybe this is going to be entertainment. <laughs> their three-year <laughs> supply of, of BBC entertainment. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. So would you remind us of our Cliff Dangler? Yes. Um, so <laughs> very briefly, we had a ship <laughs> and uh, it was Brett um, and Sarah Kingdom, who is the agent working for uh, Mavic Chen. Um, and uh, our, our, our ship came about as a result of the kind of hot but hostile interactions <laughs> that they had, which can be kind of sexy, but then uh-huh. it came to uh, a, a sudden and rather um, uh, conclusive end when <laughs> Sarah shot Brett, and now uh, she's going to come after our other heroes. So they're on Earth. Um, Mavic Chen, the Defender of the Galaxy, uh, is trying to recover the lost... Um, uh, Terralite or something like that. Terranium. Terranium, that's it. The lost ter- terranium um, that he needs to give to the Daleks to power their super weapons so that they can come and take over the solar system. Um, and yeah, now our, our heroes are on the run. They've got the terranium and they're trying to warn somebody that Mavic Chen is up to no good. Indeed. We basically pick right up from Sarah Kingdom executing Brett. She gives the order to this nearby guard that the others should be killed on site as well. Nice. I mean, you know, not for our heroes, but interesting (laughs) and cool for our Uh uh, story here. (laughs) And then we cut over to Stephen and the doctor who are running through the corridors. They're looking for a place to hide. The doctor wonders where Brett is, and Stephen's like, He's right behind us. I think he's probably dealing with that girl. Well, um, <laughs> it involves that girl or, uh-huh. you know, woman as somebody who's not the doctor would probably refer to her. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I guess Stephen's learning from the doctor. The two of them run into a strange room. Strange room. what's so strange about it kyle (laughs) won't you tell us so it's basically a large sound stage with a room-sized device in it and they walk right into this device uh the floor of the device is mostly large squares with lights in them like light panels very cool and then there are these like sort of angled panels curving up to form the four like walls basically on the four sides of the chamber cool and inside the chamber in you know in addition to the doctor and steven there's also a large glass capsule like kind of on a a pedestal or a stand or whatever And this glass capsule has like antennas and flashing lights on top. It's beeping and it has apparently mice inside of it. Very cool. I'm getting a little bit of um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy vibe (laughs) from those mice right now. But Uh we'll see. Yeah, definitely. 
The oh, doctor. So when you said the doctor and Stephen, it sort of occurred to me that this is the smallest our party has been. I mean, obviously they've been separated at times, and you know we had kind of sub parties uh-huh. running around, but like, but with yeah, like Katarina dead, Brett, who you know, as we were saying, was never officially a companion, but was an NPC attached to the party for a bit, is also dead. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a lot of people are just. Getting dead this, this serial. Uh, and now we're down to the doctor and one companion, yeah. just the doctor and Steven. And that's the smallest it's, it's ever been. Yeah, like, we've we started never off had with just two. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. So the doctor thinks that, you know, probably this glass capsule is some sort of experimental transmitter. <laughs> it transmits mice. Uh-huh. We cut to a different room full of control panels with like buttons and switches and dials and gauges and readouts. And Love there's, it. there's even like a reel to reel tape machine. Very cool. Most of this is like in panels on the wall, but you know, there, there are also a few places to sit that, that also have panels, control panels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there are a couple of scientists in this room operating these panels. They Excellent. are getting ready to proceed with their experiment when a couple of guards come into the room looking for two strangers. And one of the scientists basically just tells the guards to leave. We're in the middle of a highly complicated experiment. Now get out of here. Yeah, we're trying to do science. Uh huh. Either that or podcasting. <laughs> uh, well, hopefully it doesn't take them three tries to do <laughs> the uh, experiment that they're working on. And like, there's a bit of discussion and arguing, but you know, after a few moments, the guards do just leave, basically. Good, because I want to see this experiment. We cut back to the strange. No, we cut away. No. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, we cut back to the strange room. Stephen has been standing guard near the door, and he hears someone approach. And, of course, it's Sarah Kingdom. She walks into the room with them. I'll give you five seconds to hand over that terrain. Let me speak, the terrain. Very sexy. Yeah, totally. And I'm not just saying that because she's a woman either, because, like, you know, on this show we ship everyone with everyone, <laughs> as, as our listeners have. Whether you love that bit or not, uh-huh. I, I'm sure you've noticed. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and threats and violence and, you know, ob- obviously up to a point, but mm-hmm. this sort of thing can be very sexy. That's all I'm saying. So, yeah, Please she's... don't cancel us, listeners. <laughs> She's given them five seconds, but before either she or the doctor or Stephen can do anything, all of the actors open their mouths and start like moving their heads around with pained expressions on their faces as if they're like silently screaming while the contrast of the image gets turned way up. Man, those those mice did not like the uh, the threats of violence. Uh-huh. They're pacifists, and they will take steps to make sure nobody gets um, sci-fi ray gunned. <laughs> we cut back to the control room 
where the scientists are monitoring the experiment. I see. It was the same experiment. I should have put those pieces together <laughs> sooner. Uh, I don't yeah. know why I didn't. I mean, obviously, we got the lab rats, with the little mice and stuff, but uh, I think I was just a little too too taken with the idea of the mice somehow being characters. Protection set and alpha zero zero zeta. Instruments register perfect examination. Good. Nice. All right. So they shut the experiment off. It's over now, I guess. But they are shocked a moment later when the readouts show that someone has opened the door of the experiment room, so they rush off to check on it. I feel like they should have checked those readouts before they conducted the experiment, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a scientist. I guess I can't really tell them what to do. <laughs> It turns out that the guards from earlier are the ones who've opened the door. They are at the entrance of the strange room, but the room itself is now empty. Are there like two doors and only one of them is hooked up to the uh, the alarm or whatever that is, the, the sensor that tells them when a door is open? Like, come on, guys. So- someone's being sloppy here. <laughs> Well, it seems it seems to only have the one door, and and when I say the room is empty, it's not just that the doctor and Stephen are gone, but also the mice mm. and their capsule. So and for the rest of the episode, the doctor and Stephen are inside the bodies of the mice. Like <laughs> that they have, would be the minds switched switched bodies, and then while the actors, you know, are going around uh-huh. looking for cheese. And squeaking, you know, we're just going to follow <laughs> these two little mice around. Hurry up, dear boy. <laughs> the guards ask what's going on, and one of the scientists tells them, We've been carrying out a molecular dissemination, and if you space security people would stop interfering, we'd be able to get on a lot faster. Yeah, get out of here, you space security people. Seriously, there are scientists at work. Yes. The scientists are... Glad to see that the glass capsule is gone. I guess that was what they were hoping to be the result. But the guards tell them that there were three people in the room. <laughs> and the scientists are like, oh. <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh-huh. We cut to some abstract background images with like images of Sarah and Stephen and the glass capsule superimposed kind of floating up and down against, you know, these weird changing background abstract images. At first they've got like neutral expressions on their face, but then they start to like silently scream again. Hmm. We presume I guess their molecules are getting disseminated. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. We presume that the doctor's with them too, but for whatever reason, he's not shown in this this little bit. Because he's enjoying it too much. <laughs> yeah, probably. It was a little uncomfortable, actually. We cut back to the scientists and the guards. The guards are demanding that the scientists bring back whatever was in the room, and... The scientists are like, uh, no can do, dude. Sorry, that was like kind of what we were doing here. Anyone or anything that was in this room at the time of the experiment 
is now being transmitted through space. Wait, are you saying that they have a machine that breaks down the molecules of physical objects and people and transmits them through space where they're then reassembled somewhere else? Yeah, just what like a novel on, concept. Just like on Willy Wonka. <laughs> With, a, what was his name, Mike TV. But, but yeah, what a, what a fun sci-fi idea and, and uh, potentially budget saving too, in case you have a low budget TV series where you want to get your people from your spaceship to the planet and back without right. having to bother with like shuttles and things like that. Right. That's like a whole extra model and photography. And yeah, it's much cheaper if you can just like cut directly to the other set and then like yeah. justify it in story. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, if uh, this was going to be an ongoing thing, it wouldn't cause them to scream in silent uh, <laughs> agony every time it happens. But uh, this is early days. <laughs> yeah, they're still working out the kinks. Yeah. So the other scientist mentions that they don't even really know the nature of the planet that they're beaming this stuff toward. And we then cut to what looks like a pretty thick, swampy forest or jungle with like a stream or a creek running through it. But this creek is like smoking and bubbling. Any Varga plants around? Uh, I didn't see any Varga plants, actually. Okay. Well, I think that would be quite a coincidence if uh -huh. there were. But um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, we, we were speculating as to how we're going to get our TARDIS back after we That's left true. it on Kimball, I think the planet's name was. Yeah. yeah. We do check in briefly at the Dalek Control Center, which I believe is actually currently on Kimball still. The, it's unclear whether the Dalek Master Plan Club conference is still going on or not, but the Control Center is, is on Kimball. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you don't go to the closing ceremony, and so you never really get closure on it. Uh -huh. And it just, you, you know, you weren't interested in going, but then on the other hand, it just sort of feels like the conference peters out at the end, and you're just kind of like, oh, I guess it's over. Uh, <laughs> guess yeah. I'll go home. So the Black Dalek is concerned that they haven't heard from Mavic Chen in a while, and he really should have, like, recovered the Terranium and brought it back by now. So it orders the other Daleks to contact him and ask him for a progress report, basically. So the fact that there are Daleks in this episode makes me wonder, is this one also by Terry Nation or is this by the other author, the other writer, I should say? Oh, uh, yeah, we forgot, to, we forgot to discuss that. This is, in fact, still a Terry Nation episode. Oh, okay, okay, because I know that this uh, serial has two different writers, and I'm curious how that's going to work out. But so far, it's all been Terry Nation. Mm -hmm. The guards and the scientists are back in the experiment control room, and the guards are demanding to know how long it's going to take before they get the results of this experiment. We don't know. Once the instruments reform on the planet Myra, they should start transmitting immediately. Okay, uh, Planet Myra, I guess it's not Kimball. I mean, like I said, that would have been quite a coincidence, yeah. but still. Um, these scientists, I was wondering, are they both, do they both sound standard British in terms of their accents? 
Um, I as far as you can tell, being an American like yeah. me, I mean, I know that we're both uh, <laughs> not experts on this type of thing. I think so, but to be honest, it was a little. It was like a week or two ago that I watched this, so I couldn't. I don't remember for sure. Okay, I was just wondering if either of them are Scottish, because if they're not, then that's the problem. Uh, <laughs> one one good Scot in that uh, in that mix would have gotten our heroes back by now. Uh huh. Just got to push that slider up, you know, on the <laughs> control panel. <laughs> yeah, totally. The guard asks them if the people that were in the room will arrive on the planet Myra safely. And the scientists are basically just like, uh, we don't know, dude. We've never done people before. <laughs> <laughs> that was not intentional. Uh-huh. Eventually, the guards leave you know, of course, after demanding to be notified as soon as the ship has reached Myra. And not too long after the guards leave, the scientists do start picking up the signal. We cut back to the swampy place from earlier, which we now presume to be Myra. And uh -huh. as the camera pans, we sure enough see that the glass capsule is there and the mice are okay. Oh, good. Uh, we were most concerned about the mice. Uh -huh. <laughs> I mean, I was concerned about the mice, of course. I love mice, but also um, curious what happened to our heroes. Yeah, we only get to see the mice for now. Okay. This podcast is amazing. 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 The emissaries from the seven planets will arrive as arranged, and we will tell them all about this podcast. Tell your, tell your friends, tell your, your friends. Your friends. <laughs> Write a review and leave it with a five-star rating. We'll we obey. obey. We obey. Mavic Chen is informed by his lackey Carlton that the mice have arrived safely on Myra. And Mavic Chen's like, what mice, dude? And like, come on, you're not making any sense. Yeah. Chen is pretty down in the dumps because, of course, the Daleks are expecting him to bring the Terranium back. Yeah. And, of course, the Terranium is, is on the planet Myra now, as far as they yeah. hope. But Carlton suggests that he tell the Daleks that he sent the fugitives with the Terranium to Myra on purpose as a security measure because too much attention was being paid to them on Earth. Worth a shot. <laughs> yeah, totally. They talk about how the Daleks need humanity's advanced knowledge of mineralogy to get the Terranium. And Chen basically goes like fully into a villain monologue excellent yeah strutting around the teleportation chamber he's gesturing he finally ends with the both of his arms like outstretched up in the air without me their plan cannot completely work without me they are but nothing nothing when I am next to the Daleks, only they stand between me and the highest position in the universe. Then will be the time for me to take 
complete control. Excellent. I'm glad that this episode has been recovered so that we could enjoy the uh, villain monologue the way it yeah, was totally. originally meant to be um, with, with the, the, the gestures and the strutting and everything. Yeah, it was great. I loved it. And I was definitely Excellent. having similar thoughts about, you know, I said earlier that 75% of the serial is missing. And yeah, I'm glad that this is part of the 25%. Excellent. And yeah, so we we basically get full confirmation that like his his eventual goal is to overthrow the Daleks and be in charge of the universe himself. After he finishes this monologue, he kind of notices Carlton looking at him with like a what the fuck look on his face. <laughs> Carlton's like, um, that didn't seem like a good person uh-huh. type of monologue. And again, like I'm glad that we have like the facial expressions of Carlton and then Chen here, he kind of like sheepishly lowers his arms and he tells Carlton that he's fortunate that Carlton's fortunate for his place in galactic history because he's going to be like Chen's right hand man, basically. And then he leaves the room. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, uh, and, and Carlton's sitting there like, man, it's time to dust off the old resume. <laughs> uh-huh. We cut back to Myra where the doctor is laying on the ground. Oh, good. He survived. I was uh-huh. right there for a minute. He wakes up. He seems to be okay. He checks the jar of terranium that's like in his coat pocket, his jacket pocket, basically. And it also seems to be okay. He sees the mice nearby and just kind of starts examining their whole setup. <laughs> I like how he checks on the mice before he checks for like, you know, <laughs> Steven. Uh huh. The cameraman checks on Stephen, though. Oh, Stephen, good. I'm glad yeah. someone's got their priorities in order. <laughs> Stephen has also awoken, and Stephen sees Sarah Kingdom nearby. She's still unconscious. He takes her gun, and then he starts trying to wake her up, which I okay, thought was. That's, that's probably the right order yeah. of. Uh, of um, actions there yeah the the smart way of doing things yes the doctor does start looking for steven at this point but what the doctor doesn't notice but the cameraman does is that there are footprints appearing in the dirt like kind of a ways behind the doctor following him Footprints just sort of like pushing down into the ground when we can't see what's actually taking the steps or like just we see the footprints after somebody's already left them. Uh, the first one, we see them push into the ground. Uh, the, the more intriguing option. Uh-huh. Excellent. And also, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, uh, you said a cameraman, and normally I would correct you and say you probably mean camera person or camera operator, but let's face it, this is the 1960s and the BBC. <laughs> Statistically, I guess we can't say with 100% certainty, but probably a cameraman. (laughs) Yeah, I did actually mean camera operator, but but yeah, probably that that was an accurate statement, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
the other interesting thing about these footprints, in addition to the fact that we don't see what causes them, is that they're not humanoid. They're like animaloid or monsteroid. Oh, and they're Are basically we more like bird-like or wolf-like, bear-like. Um, um I would say duck. like wolf-like or bear-like. Ooh, I dig it. That's yeah, awesome. They're kind of like roundish pads and they have like four big long claws, it looks like. Very cool. The doctor and Steven find each other. Steven's like, what the fuck happened? She was going to cap our asses. Then there was a weird noise and now we're here. Let's see if the doctor takes credit for it. <laughs> <laughs> he basically just sends Steven to look around for a place to hide. And it's so hard for him to say the words, I don't know. Yeah, seriously. Sarah wakes up. The doctor tells her that she's lucky to be alive. And then he basically takes her with him and follows after Stephen. Interesting. Okay. We check in with the Daleks again, just briefly. They basically confirm to us, the viewers that they also know that the fugitives are on Myra now, and a Dalek pursuit ship is apparently also on Myra. Wow, that was quick. Yeah, totally. Gotta admire the uh, Daleks' um, fast action there. <laughs> the party members have found a cave to hide in. You know, the GM's like, yeah, it's just right over here. There's a cave nearby. Yeah, yeah. I'm quickly scribbling on the map. Uh huh. They rolled well on their search check, and it's that you know, there's a certain kind of DM where, like, if the players roll well, they'll just say that they found the thing that they were looking for, even though that's not actually how searching works. <laughs> <laughs> the doctor explains to everyone what happened. Our bodies were broken up by some process or other, shot through into the fourth dimension. And at a given point, reassembled again on this planet. It's almost like we were transported here. <laughs> I will say that, you know, as the, as the transporter technology is improved, like the time it takes to transport someone is vastly improved. Very cool. Well, that said, this is a, like a long distance transportation, which they kind of sacrificed that for time, I think, later on. Yeah, yeah, you can only sort of transport down to the planet you're in orbit around. Yeah, unless you're, like, happen to be in a universe that uses lots of lens flares. Yeah, that's true. It helps if you're in a movie. Yeah. Um, you can get away with transport stuff that you can't in a TV series. Yeah, totally. I think they, they pointed that out on Lower Decks once. <laughs> <laughs> The only problem, or like the main problem with the current situation, is that the doctor has no idea what planet they're on. Maybe and he admits this? Yeah, he actually does. Wow, he's growing as a person. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> Very proud of him. Uh huh. Mavic Chen knows, though, because of course the mice and their capsule device have started transmitting back to Earth. Uh huh. So. Yeah, Mavic Chen and the Daleks all know what's up. We cut to a couple of Daleks who are, in fact, on the planet Myra and are examining the mice. 
And one of these Daleks has a plunger arm, like most Daleks that we've seen. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we have seen that there are other types of Daleks. We've seen flamethrower Daleks before. That was cool. The other Dalek who is here has a gauge on the end of his arm. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. It's, you know, like your classic gauge. It's a round device with a face covered in glass. There are like marks all around the face and a needle that moves back and forth. Yeah. Like, man, we need to measure something. Go get, I don't know, what are Dalek names like? Go get Dalek Carl. <laughs> Dalek Carl's like, man, all right, I'm, I'm here. What is it? Are you baking something? Are you like, uh-huh. uh, what else do you need to, to gauge things for? <laughs> Do you want to know if it's time to throw a party and you want to check the weather? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so Dalek Carl says that the gauge says that there is a being at close range. The other Dalek's like, yeah, dude, I'm looking right at it and there's mice right here. There's two of them here, Carl. Wow, Carl, you are so special with that gauge. Well done, Carl. Nice job. (laughs) (laughs) The Daleks notice that the device that the mice are in is sending out signals, so they decide they should probably film negativize it. No, the mice. Yeah, they do it. They do that, and the lights stop flashing, and the device stops beeping. Oh, I feel bad for the mice. Dalek Carl says that the gauge still registers a being close by. And the two Daleks decide that even though neither of them can see anything, they should just fire at, like, any movement. (laughs) Uh, Well, okay. (laughs) (laughs) As soon as they say this, there is some movement nearby, like some branches on this tree plant nearby move. And they both just kind of like film and negativize the general area that the branch was moving in. And there is sort of like a weird yell or groan or something that happens. Hmm. Well, whatever you're shooting at is, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Always a good um, budget-saving technique, of course. Yeah, totally. You do have to do the special effect of the footprint appearing, but but that's manageable. Yeah. These Daleks don't actually seem that concerned about these invisible beings. They just, like, need to keep searching for the fugitives, basically. Mm Mm-hmm. We cut back to the experiment control room where the scientists are upset because they have stopped receiving their signal from the mice. Uh, Yeah, I'm right there with you guys. Yeah, totally. They speculate that the fugitives must have damaged the device. No, our heroes would never hurt little mice. Uh Uh-huh. Carlton asks if there are like any natural beings on Myra 
and the scientists say that their probes never showed any. <laughs> we never saw any. <laughs> That's why we sent the mice. I was hoping that they might behave. Perhaps we should send some more mice. <laughs> uh, the answer to every problem. Uh-huh. Send, send more mice. More mice. <laughs> Carlton basically forbids them from sending anything else until they reestablish contact with what they've already sent. Yeah. I think yeah, it's that's yeah, kind of like a wise choice. You don't get dessert until you've finished your dinner. <laughs> you can't start a new experiment until you like Finish up this one. Well, okay. We cut back to the doctor who is investigating the area, like immediately surrounding the cave that they're staying in. Mm -hmm. He hears something approach. So he starts like just kind of swinging his walking stick in the vegetation and Apparently, it seems to hit something invisible. Gasp. Um, I would like that's what's supposed to be happening, but I have to say, one drawback to this episode existing William Hartnell's mime action wasn't really that great. He <laughs> <laughs> just sort of swinging his stick around and he swings it in a different, slightly different way, and then uh, I guess it hit something. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But this does cause him to realize what's happening and where they are. I might have known it. Visions. The planet bad. The only planet that has invisible creatures. Yeah, pretty much, apparently. Back in the cave, Stephen is very angry with Sarah because she killed Brett. And Brett was apparently the only person who could have warned Earth about the Dalek's master plan. Sarah's like, wait, the, the what now? <laughs> uh -huh. She says that Brett was a traitor because he and Stephen and the doctor stole the Terranium. It was needed desperately to spread the peace which was found in the solar system to reach the whole galaxy. Yeah, to spread the peace. Uh-huh. <laughs> Stephen asks her, like, what the Terranium was for, like, specifically. Mm-hmm. A valid question. Thank uh -huh. you, Stephen. <laughs> She's basically just like, how the fuck should I know? <laughs> Stephen's like, well, I might, might want to look into that. <laughs> yeah. She just kind of goes to the whole, like, I was just following orders thing. And Stephen's like, yeah, you didn't think about how... A space security agent, like the thing that you also belong to, could have been a traitor. You didn't like question him or anything. You just fucking killed him. Uh-huh. She basically doesn't know like what Steven wants her to say to this. And just then the doctor comes in. He tells her that Steven's story is true. Steven starts like pestering her some more again about killing Brett and she finally reaches a breaking point shut up Brett Fine was my brother and she rushes out of the cave oh shit yeah 
Okay. <laughs> I, I'm guessing she doesn't mean that like in a brothers in arms kind of way. You know, that that had occurred to me. We never get clarification on... I mean, based yeah. on her reaction, I would say it's probably that he was her, like, but you know, yeah, parents, other child or whatever. That was, that was the impression I got. Yeah. So she rushes out of the cave. Stephen is going to follow after her, but the doctor basically tells Stephen to let her go because she finally believes them now. And a moment later, we hear her kind of like grimace and she rushes back into the cave because something touched her. Oh. The doctor explains to the two of them that they're on the planet Myra and that the invisible Visians are very vicious. I like that they're called Visians. They're invisible and uh -huh. they're, they're called... In yeah, love it. Yeah. The doctor thinks that they need to GTFO ASAP, but he doesn't really know how to do this yet. Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> they have literally no sp spaceship whatsoever now. Uh-huh. Steven goes to the mouth of the cave where he can hear the Visions rumbling and sounds like they're getting closer. And, and then the words appear on the screen? Not quite yet. Almost. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I will be patient. Uh, yeah, so it sounds like the Visians are getting closer, and it seems like our player characters are trapped in the cave, and Sarah, the NPC, who's joining the party for the moment, it seems. Mm -hmm. We cut back to Mavic Chen's office, where he and Carlton are discussing things. It seems like the Daleks have believed his story about sending the fugitives and the Terranium to Myra on purpose. So he now needs to get back to Kemble before the Daleks who are already on Myra get to Kemble themselves with the Terranium. Hmm. So... He tells Carlton to take his people to Venus. His ultimate plan is to destroy Kemble with the help of the rest of the solar system. Huh. But, like, just in case we thought that he's actually secretly a good guy, Carlton's like, But that will only mean mastery of this galaxy. And Chen says... But a start, Carlton. A start. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, interesting um, change of plans there for Mavic uh -huh. Chen. But honestly, um, might work out better for him. Ultimately, we know that it won't. Um, <laughs> but better than working with the Daleks. Yeah. We cut back to Myra where Stephen, Sarah, and the Doctor are all preparing to fight through the Visians. Stephen still has Sarah's gun, and the Doctor tells him to aim high because the Visians are eight feet tall. Oh, wow. I love that detail. <laughs> uh-huh. 
And just then some Daleks show up and they fire film negativizers, presumably like at the Vizi at the Visians. Mm-hmm. And they tell the doctor and his companions that they're surrounded and they need to come with the Dalek. And as the doctor says, I'm afraid, my friends, the Daleks have won. Wow. The words next episode, Coronas of the Sun, appear on screen. Nice. Another good episode title. Yeah, totally. And a pretty good episode. I mean, I like I like the Visians. I like um, the, the the plots that are taking place. I, I must admit, I don't fully understand what's going on with Mavic Chen right now. Don't really understand what, what he uh, intends. But yeah. I mean, when you're working with Daleks and you don't trust them and they don't trust you... Yeah, you gotta have plans within plans. Yeah, I know generally he intends to like overthrow and defeat the Daleks and control the universe instead of them, but specifically uh-huh. it's hard to say what how he intends to achieve that aim. Yeah, it seems like originally he was going to take over the universe with the Daleks and then overthrow them. Mm-hmm. Um but now he seems to be changing the order of events. Yeah. So cool. yeah, who knows? Cool, cool. So at this point in time, um, how are we feeling about Sarah Kingdom? Like, does she seem pretty cool and heroic? Uh, just with an unfortunate, you know, unfortunate luck when it came to bosses, or does she seem kind of nasty? Is she bad? Not in a good way. In a <laughs> in a villainous way. Um, but not in a good way. Not in this way. <laughs> anyway, what, what, what are you thinking? How are you feeling about Sarah Kingdom? Um, I think at this point, she's seeming pretty heroic. I think, yeah, she had, you know, she had what seemed to be a villainous start because mm-hmm. she was like following Mavic Chen's orders mm-hmm. and he had apparently misled her. But I think, you know, with her revelation that Brett was her brother, like that moment was kind of like her acceptance of what Stephen and the doctor were telling her about yeah. actually Mavic Chen's the evil one. And yeah, so that was like, I think a pretty solid face turn. <laughs> Excellent. So yeah, love, I think love that's a good face turn. That's where she's at for now. Almost as much as I love a good heel turn. <laughs> Well, yeah, that was a fun episode. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious where, where we're going from here. Well, come back in two weeks to find out where our heroes are going in Coronas of the Sun. Yeah. Uh, man, Terry Nation, back on it with the episode titles. I mean, presumably it might be the other guy, but we'll find out. <laughs> um, cool. Well, we'd like to thank Circuit23 for the awesome theme song he made for us. Um, you can check him out on Bandcamp and uh, SoundCloud. Well, hold on a sec. 
<laughs> yeah, check it. Check out his album on Bandcamp, Men's Vermis, and check out his other music on SoundCloud. There's links in the show notes. Um, and you can always email him at circuits.23 at gmail.com. Thank you, Kyle, for watching Doctor Who and telling me all about it. And thank you, Benny, for listening to me talk all about Doctor Who. And thank you, listeners, for listening to me and listening to Kyle talk about Doctor Who. We'd always love to hear from you. Um, you can email us at thedoctorswatcher at gmail.com or tweet us at doctorwatcher. And if you love our show, don't forget to share, rate, and review. Indeed. Um, we always love it uh, when we get new listeners and we love seeing the ratings and reviews. I actually haven't checked our ratings and reviews recently, so I can, yeah. I can only assume that they're still, still good. Here's hoping. All right. Well, listeners, we'll see you in two weeks. Indeed. Bye. Bye. What do you think you're doing? What's going on in this room? We've been carrying out a molecular dissemination. And if you space security people would stop interfering, we'd be able to get on a lot faster. It looks as though it was perfect. But you don't understand. Have you touched anything in this room? No. But there were three people in here. Where are they?